We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, everyone. Before we get into today's pod, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or, if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is, you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling on your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com join. Check out the description box to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com join. Blue Wire. Welcome back. This is the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier, joined as always by my co-host, Nick Filato. Tonight, we're here to give our quick takeaways and breakdown of the Giants' 27-13 loss in Week 16 to the Baltimore Ravens. Nick, how are you doing tonight, and where do you want to start for this one? I'm doing pretty well, Dan. It was a good game we just watched with the Green Bay Packers defeating the Tennessee Titans. Could be a Super Bowl matchup, who knows? I am not 100% sure about that, but the Giants, it was another loss where they weren't really competitive in the first half. Wait, wait, wait. Be honest, Nick. You're happy about that Packers game for another reason, aren't you? I I am happy for for another reason that involves fantasy football. (laughs) Fantasy talk. Fantasy talk. Shit, we just lost reviews on that bad boy, Nick, but (laughs) go into it. Devontae Adams went off and made this man happier. You know what? He deserves it because we both had to slug through that Giants game. So let's talk a little Giants now that we got the fantasy out of the way. And that alert, hopefully, did not blow the eardrums out of our listeners. Yeah, I really hope it did not. This Giants game, we went into this game, Dan, with kind of the assumption that the only way the Giants were going to compete is if the defense steps up and has that Seattle type of game against this Ravens offense and slows down Lamar Jackson. And that just did not happen. I mean, 13-play drive, 10-play drive, both ended in touchdowns. That was the Ravens' first two drives of the game when the Giants went three and out. And then their second drive, they went five and out. So the Giants offense got off to a slow start, yes. But at the same time, the defense could not slow down the zone read. The quarterback option 
when it comes to power run with the zone read combined with it, the horizontal crossing patterns to Mark Andrews, the defense just wasn't really, I don't want to say they were prepared, but there's just so much to defend when you go up against someone like Lamar Jackson. And I actually question Lamar Jackson's ability to kind of pick through Patrick Graham's zones, but he looked really good doing it. I'm actually, I don't want to say I'm excited to watch the All-22 because of that, but I want to see exactly the route concepts that really kind of manipulated the zone coverage because it definitely seemed like it happened on broadcast. Yeah, and it's interesting to, that you mentioned it because I went into this game, and I know those of you who listen to the podcast heard me say it weeks ago when they start when the Giants started that mini win streak over Washington, Philly, um, and the Bengals. I said over these next four games, the Giants need to win two of them, and I felt best about their chances of winning Seattle and Baltimore. I always thought Cleveland and Arizona were bad matchups, so when they were wholly uncompetitive, which is exactly what they were against Arizona, who's proving to be mediocre at best, and against Cleveland, who obviously you know is a good football team, but also that's just lost the New York Jets. I don't care how many COVID guys you got. It's the Jets. Back-to-back uncommitted games. I went into this one thinking the Giants can compete. I actually convinced myself the Giants can compete. And the reason I thought that was because I thought Patrick Graham and this defense would do a lot to make things difficult for Lamar Jackson. And I thought the Giants would do an excellent job of stopping the run game. Now, what we ended up having was not that. It was the complete opposite. Like Nick said, the first play, um, sorry, the first series for Baltimore, 13 plays, 82 yards, and it ended in a six-yard touchdown pass. The next one, 10 plays, 65 yards, two-yard touchdown. And even the next two drives where the Giants bought, ha, you know, battled through and bought and had Baltimore bogged down in the red zone, they were still 13-play, 60-yard drives, and a 10-play, 65-yard drive. So really, this game was a little eye-opening for me in the sense that, you know, a lot of the progress that I hope this team had made during that winning streak is starting to unravel a little bit in front of my eyes. If the Giants had finished out the season from Seattle on with really good defensive play through and throughout, I would say, you know what? This guy Graham's a genius. It really doesn't matter what the guy who gives him the ingredients, he's the cook, Graham, and then there's guys handing him the ingredients, and that's Dave Gettleman, gives him. But in a game like this, it starts to really pop in my head of just Looking at this roster on defense, you got Yidem out there, you got Mayo on the edge, and I know some people took some exception to this because I tweeted about it on Twitter, but it doesn't matter how many injuries you've had at edge. Guess who's had more injuries than the Giants? A lot of teams. The 49ers aren't complaining. They're finding Deion Jordan off the practice squad, and Deion Jordan is producing. You can't go into a football game with David Mayo taking any snaps at edge. And I know you have bad injuries, but then you find something, or you draft, you know, they added one edge this entire offseason, Kyler Fackrell. That's it. They only added one edge. I know it's hard to find edges, but when you're only going to add one single edge, that could happen. You could get injuries to your big three, and it's a really lame big three if we're being honest. And when I take a step back and I look at this roster, Nick, to me this was a talent deficiency issue. And as the trains come by rolling in, kind of (laughs) sing through the woes right now that I'm feeling about this team, I don't think Gettleman's done a good job rebuilding this defense at all. I think all the success they had on this defense was due to Patrick Graham and some of their great additions. Now, I will give him credit for Bradbury and Martinez and Peppers. Those are three people I will give him credit for, damn right. But that's not enough to make a defense. When you invest this many assets in the IDLs and the interior defensive linemen, a first-round pick on Dexter Lawrence, you can't really call that a smash hit because when you draft an IDL at 17, there's a really high floor. There's a low bust rate. That's the point. But what you're giving up is the potential to get someone who actually impacts a game like this, an edge a cornerback two, another guy in the secondary or in the linebacker court at the second level who can help in zone coverage when Lamar Jackson is just chewing you up. And that's what he was doing, just chewing the zone up. And so ultimately, the investments that this regime has made, so many in the IDL, so many in the interior defensive line. On the flip side, you look at a team like Miami, who's had some bad games, had some good games, but their idea was just pour all our investments into one position. That position was corner. And it's a little more likely that your defense is going to hold up when you have really good coverage in the corners than when you have three or four really good IDLs. Because in a game like this, these interior defensive linemen did not have enough of an impact for the Giants to win on defense. I didn't see much of Leonard. I didn't see much of Dexter. I didn't see much of Dalvin. I didn't see much of BJ Hill making plays to stop these 13, 10, 13, and 10 drive, you know, 10 play drives by the Ravens. So I take a step back, Nick, and this type of game scares me a little bit. It's not just this one. Obviously, the Browns, like you said last week, did a really good job just chewing up the zone. Arizona was a little bit of a different story. They had some success on offense. We knew that there were 
susceptibilities within the zone coverage that Patrick Graham runs. We've seen it on tape several different times. And I want to be fair to Dave Gettleman, the cornerback situation. You lose first-round pick Baker. You lose Sam Beal. The edges, they were hoping for breakout seasons from both Zimenez and Carter. Both end up going down with injury. I think you you have to point out those things. And I know every team is dealing with injuries, but I, but I do believe that these types of injuries... You can point to the depth. There wasn't as much depth there. You bring in, I think, guys like Jabal Sheard who have helped. I think Yadam has been a solid addition, somebody I was not particularly high, high on. He's not somebody that you necessarily want to start, but he has executed his role as a cornerback, too, in the zone defense, I would say, adequately, I guess is probably the good adjective to use there. I just kind of wanted to lay that out because I, I do want to be fair. At the same time, we've been pounding the table to add an edge to this team. We we. we we're saying that all offseason as well. So I think you have a valid point there. I, I don't think this defense is is untalented, and I do agree that there and I don't think you do either. And I do agree that the interior defensive line, there's a lot of assets poured there. I think there's still value there. They didn't make great plays here. They they forced the Ravens to get really, really creative with their game plan. The thing is the Ravens have the ability to do so because they are so versatile with their rushing attack. They can show you so many different looks. I think the Giants' interior defensive linemen all season have done a good job stopping the run for more traditional-type teams, but when you run into a team like Baltimore, it is going to be a bit difficult for you, is what I would say. But I do agree, and I think this offseason we're going to see, because I don't think the Giants are going to retain both these guys, and I think that might say something about it, speaking of Dalvin and Leonard Williams. Yeah, I'm not sure they'll keep both at this point. I personally don't think there's any way, even if the Giants get a win against Dallas and then get embarrassed in the first round of the playoffs or something like that or even just lose in the first round of the playoffs that Gettleman will be back and then go retire and I think that ultimately I hope at least it could lead into a new direction for this franchise and that direction whoever they may bring in may have the ideas that I have which is you can't just keep unloading assets in the interior defensive line because then you have games like this one I mean if you invest four major assets into your tier defensive line like they have with Dexter Lawrence, you know, that's 17th overall. That's a big asset. With Dalvin Tomlinson, that was inherited. With De- with Leonard Williams, they traded a top 70 pick and a four-year rookie contract at $1 million or less against the cap for four straight, you know, for four straight years. And then obviously the last one, B.J. Hill, that was another top 70 pick, a pick one ahead of Fred Warner, someone who's making a massive difference. And obviously I don't want to bring back up the Warner thing, but that just goes to show when you take swings at other positions that matter more, Sometimes you get big hits, and when that happens and yet a team goes up against you and runs 40 times for 249 yards, a 6.2 average, you look back and you step in the mirror and you say, well, the Giants have a really good inside backer in Martinez, and they should have the best run-stopping interior defensive line in the NFL given the assets invested, and they don't. And it's like you get yourself in this situation where it really felt almost like this defense was helpless in the first half, for sure. In the second half, not the, not as much. They forced the three and out to start the second half. They had some stops there in the second half, that goal line stop. But, you know, ultimately, when a team's chewing up that kind of yardage on the ground and you've invested that much in stopping the run, it's not a good look. A lot of that was lateral. A lot of it was to the edge, which... Baltimore does an excellent job just getting to the edge. The Giants are bad at stopping the runs to the edge. Yes, and the Giants, when they get spread out. they have out one linebacker on the roster. And that also goes back to the GM, though. Like, you know, if you're going to invest all that in IDL, it means you have less assets to find linebackers. And they have one NFL linebacker on this team. I'm sorry, Tate Crowder. He's not that good. He looked okay at the beginning. He's fast. He has speed. He's not going to be like – I don't. He's not. he didn't look good in this game, I don't think, at least against the run. It still blows my mind that – players like Carter Coughlin and Cam Brown play like significant snaps. That's all they have left. Defense. That is all they have left. But I don't even think that's necessarily all due to injuries. I think that's because they've been spending so many picks on the offense year after year. And offense is 31st in the NFL. 34 on Hernandez. 2 on Barkley. 6 on Jones and 4 on Thomas. And in all those spots, they didn't trade to acquire any more assets. That I 100% agree with you on. But at the same time, ideally, I don't think... Graham wants Brown or Carter out there no, for as many snaps. Of course he, he doesn't. Lorenzo Carter and O'Shane. And O'Shane was somebody who kind of struggles against the run. At least last year yeah. he did. We didn't get to see him enough this year. It's it's unfortunate, man. And despite all the negativity, the Giants win and Washington loses and this freaking team gets in the playoffs. At 6-10. and 10. How embarrassing is the NFC East? 
it's a joke. I mean, I thought the Eagles would come out and mollywop the Cowboys today, and I still think they would have if they stuck to the game plan. Is I it think the 1920s, bro? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if, if, if Doug Peterson, I mean, at this point, all Eagles fans want to get rid of him, and I think there's good reason. If he had stuck to the run in that game, I don't think the Eagles would have lost that game. They went away from the run, and they were dominating with that zone read. Up 14-3, they had the leverage to keep running the ball. And they went away from it. And I think that hurt them in that game. They needed to use Hurts as a runner. They needed to use his own read. But that's not the point. The point you're trying to make is the Giants are still alive. And technically that's true. I think they also are facing a winnable game against Dallas. It's not like I'm sure they'll be underdogs. And the expectation is the Giants will lose this game. And that's fine. But this is Dallas team is not a guarantee to beat the Giants or anyone at this point. What I will say, though, is Andy Dalton actually looks low-key pretty good. He's getting better, which I always thought would happen with this situation. Mm. And that's what happens when you actually actually invest in a backup quarterback who's a capable NFL starter instead of Colt McCoy. You might win some games. And speaking on the Giants, too, if we're going to talk about quarterbacks, I thought Daniel Jones looked much healthier in this game than he did against Arizona. On the couple plays where he, they didn't design a lot of plays where he was running or anything like that. They didn't move the pocket plays, play action boots and things like that. He just didn't look as hesitant or as tepid as he did against Arizona. And from a skill set standpoint, he missed a couple throws, a couple of those deep throws. He tried to go for it. I I think when they were down, when they were down, it was in the third quarter, it was third and three. And he went for that deep pass instead of going underneath the shepherd. He went for the deep pass to Ingram. And Ingram either was being held or it was just a little bit overthrown. I thought he had a couple plays like that. But I also thought he moved around in the pocket well. He used his eyes well. I thought he definitely went through his progressions quickly, got the football out of his hands. Because Judon and Yannick Ngakwe were kind of coming down on him pretty hard. Matt Parrott had a terrible game out there. Protection did not hold up for him. But overall, I thought Daniel Jones looked solid is probably what I would give him. Yeah, let's dive into Jones, but before we do that, let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. 2020 has already reshaped how we work, and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world, with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly, so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you the full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria. And you can contact them the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. 73% of online job seekers in the U.S. are visiting Indeed each month, according to Comscore's total visits. So it's clear Indeed can help get you the quality hire you need. That's why more than 3 million businesses worldwide use Indeed for hiring. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire, all one word. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire, all one word. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. The NBA is back in action and football's heading into the playoffs. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at BetOnline. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to player and team and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, divisions, and championship futures all day or every day. Head to BetOnline online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use our promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word, BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Okay, yeah, so I think we're on par with that Jones performance. I thought it was solid. I don't think it was spectacular. I don't think he did anything that caught my attention and I said, wow, look at that. I'm starting to see improvement. I'm starting to get a lot of hope about what he can do moving forward. I still remain the same on Jones. I think he can be a good quarterback for the Giants and potentially win, though he hasn't proven it yet. He hasn't had that Eli 2005 Broncos moment yet, but he might. He still can. 
if they put a really good team around him. My bigger issue is I don't see this roster getting good in one offseason. And that's another story that we might touch on later this podcast. But when you have that situation, it puts you in a really weird spot because I don't think roster building is incremental in the sense that you take one step one off season. It's like, I'm not, that, for example, I don't think it's like you need to get to 10. You're, you're at two, then you go to the next off season, you're at three, then you're at four, then you're at five. And it feels like a lot of Giants fans feel like that's how roster building is. To me, you can go back down. You can go up, you can go down. Things can get worse. Things can get better. There's different events that make things get better, but ultimately, I'm not so sure there's some kind of plan where it's like, year one, Jake Gettleman, the Giants got a little better. Year two, they got a little bit better. Year three, okay, their offensive line's starting to get a little bit better. They're getting a little better. It's not really like that, honestly, if you look at how NFL teams are built and how NFL teams win in the NFL. So ultimately, I'm not sure the direction this franchise will go. Obviously, we know they're most likely going to build around Jones this offseason. They're going to try to get a little bit better. But in this game, for example, I agree with you. I think there's still things that are being held back. Jones is not being used on zone read right now. That's a big part of the playbook that was evolving with the Giants under Garrett and was getting a lot better for the Giants. And that obviously wasn't used at all this game. And I don't think will be used the rest of the season against Dallas either. I'm sure you agree with that. I don't think he's healthy enough for it. Yeah, probably not. Yeah. And and then also, you know, this has not been a big part of Garrett's playbook to begin with, but he had been operating well out of the under center situations for the run game. And there's no, you know, boot action. There's no throw off the boot action, you know, which you see with a lot of great offenses around the NFL. Aaron Rodgers is a great example of that. But a lot of offenses are using boot action. And that is not part of this offense, really hasn't been all year. So I don't think that's really being impacted by the injury much. Because obviously we're not a wide zone team. So we're not running that style of offense. But I think that the point is, I can't really say that Judge is being, I'm sorry, that Jones was being impacted by the injury there. I think ultimately, like you said, I'll have to see on the All-22 about the progressions thing. That would be a good sign if he's going through them quicker. He's getting the ball to the right spots. But ultimately, some of the blame in this game, and I'm sure you're going to want to talk about this too, falls on the offensive line. And that's another kind of halt, a little scary moment for me, Nick, because we thought this offense line was really improving. That's one of the big things the Gettleman supporters have talked about. Look how much better the offensive line is. And they've really started to collapse over these last three games. This was another, in my opinion, bad game for this offensive line. Yeah, they gave up six sacks in this game of Daniel Jones. Matt Parrott, I think there was two of them. I think two of the sacks when they sacked Daniel Jones three times in a row was on Parrott. Another one was just the offensive line protections not picking up somebody off the edge. I'm not sure if that was on Parrott. It was towards Parrott's side. But the protection itself didn't seem to be set. And Wink Martindale is one of the best scheming defensive coordinators in the National Football League. And he was able to kind of take advantage several different times. I think the first play of the second half, if I remember correctly, the they lined up somebody in the B gap and they sent him and he was basically unaccounted for and he hit Jones and sacked him, Jahad Ward. And it's just like, why isn't the protection being set here? What's going on exactly there? It just seemed like the, de- the defense of the Ravens had the Giants number and it took a while for the Giants offense to get anything established. And once they did, they were able to move the football at a solid rate. And they found Sterling Shepard for that touchdown. I thought Shepard had a couple of really nice plays. He had that one where it was third and long and he fought for the first down. He obviously, he's somebody on this team that commands a lot of respect when the defender's looking at the Giants because the Giants don't have Barkley anymore. So they look at Sterling Shepard and they say that's probably the best playmaker, him or Evan Ingram. And they both had solid games out here, but... The the Giants, man, if they end up making the playoffs, this is they're gonna be hosting a playoff game. How 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 insane is that? They're gonna be hosting a team like the the Bears or the Rams or whoever kind of squeaks into one of those wild card spots. Is it possible that it wouldn't be that it would be Tampa? It would be Tampa most would be likely, Tampa, I'm pretty probably. sure, yeah. yeah. I'm pretty sure it's almost definitely gonna be Tampa mm. unless Tampa loses next week to Atlanta, which seems unlikely, but it's possible. Atlanta played the Chiefs really hard tonight. Um, and then I think even if that happened, the Rams would have to win. And I think Goff is now uh, Yeah, he's injured. hurt or something, right? Yeah, so he has a thumb injury he might play through. I would say if the Giants do get lucky enough to beat the Cowboys, they'll be— and they would also need, obviously, Philadelphia to beat Washington. Sunday night football. Which will be an interesting game in general because, obviously, Washington's going to want to have Alex Smith back. If Alex Smith is not back, I think there's a chance Taylor Henneke will start that game because— you know, not only did Dwayne Haskins get benched for poor play, there was some discussion that he um, wouldn't meet with the media, refused to meet with the Washington media and discuss the game. I think that this is probably the last draw there. And then again, I don't know if they want to start Taylor Henneke for that game either. 
it's a it's an it's a bad situation there for that for that football team. It's, it seems like Alex Smith will be back for that. I think Alex Smith will probably be back. He was practicing a little bit this week, so you're probably right about that. And with Alex Smith back, they'll have a chance. I don't even know. I, at this point, it is what it is with the Giants. I'm looking for improvements that can more so show me some positive signs for the future. To be honest with you, Nick, this season is not a season I'm looking toward. Even if the Giants make the playoffs at six and ten, I don't consider that a success at all whatsoever. I will not consider that excess. I want them to make the playoffs. I'm rooting for them to beat the Cowboys and for the Eagles to beat the Washingtons just so Daniel Jones can get some playoff experience. But this is not a success. This should not be viewed as a success. To me, they've been uncompetitive in three straight must-win games. That's a bad sign. It's a really bad sign, and I'm hoping things will get better. But I did want to at least talk to you about that offensive line because the offensive line has really regressed in these last three weeks, and it's starting to get really scary because you're going into next year thinking, is Matt Pert the guy they can have? And now it's like, well, Pert's been really bad this year. He does, and, and I guess you could say it's because he's a rookie, but Andrew Thomas adjusted pretty well to his rookie season. And there's plenty of tackles around the NFL who are playing better football than him. Yeah, off the broadcast, it seems like to me, when he, when he takes his set backwards, he allows the defender to kind of close with on him, get to that outside shoulder, and he doesn't use his length. He kind of allows the defender to basically get his hands inside of Pert and just kind of push that outside shoulder and rip right through. He's not using his length. He's not really sturdy or set when he's punching. It just doesn't look like he's even really punching with any kind of authority or command. It was, I don't know, it was odd. And that's just off the broadcast. I'm actually intrigued to see what that's going to look like on the All-22. But I've, I've seen that from him before, where he, where he allows the edge to get up on him. And his best asset or is his footwork, his nimble feet, and his length. And if you're not using one of those, then you're probably going to be a liability when you're not experienced. You're going up against some of these kind of pass rushers like Matt Judon. Yeah, and it's weird because we've seen examples and we've put up examples both on Twitter and we've talked about on the podcast earlier in the season of him using his length really well in the run game. So I know it's a totally different animal, but he clearly has the tools to do better Mm. in pass pro. But at the same time, you go into next season, Cam Fleming will be a free agent and I don't really love Cam Fleming, to be honest with you. And Matt Pert doesn't really look ready, and you go into that class, and I'm not going to totally, at this point, I'm not going to totally rule out an offensive tackle because this is going to be a loaded offensive tackle class, even if they don't get Seawall, which they won't. Even if they lose to the Cowboys, I doubt they're going to be in Seawall range. They're still going to have a chance at like Cosby. They're still going to have a lot of offensive tackles on the board who might be able to step right in and help Daniel Jones and help this offense because as crazy as it is because the Giants have used the first round pick in three straight drafts a top six pick on offense they might have to consider doing it again because honestly right now it feels like Patrick Graham can do a lot more with less than Jason Garrett and Daniel Jones can it does seem like that for sure and I want to touch on something you said a little bit before about uh, the incremental progress of a of a team i i agree with that trajectory is not always linear going upward sometimes that's the word (laughs) sometimes it ends up going down and i guess the thought process behind a lot of giants fans is the giants are one of the youngest teams in the national football league so hopefully with experience with the right coaching they can progress and start to kind of build upon the skill sets that they already possess I'm guessing that's what they uh, they think. I think that there are, there's merit to that, but that doesn't mean that it's going to happen. These things need to kind of play out on the football field, on the gridiron on Sunday. And as competitive as the Giants have been this season, even in a lot of lost games, you could say, oh, yeah, they were really competitive. It still comes down to win and losses. It still comes down to that. The Giants end up losing 10 games, possibly 11 games, and we're looking at 5-11 and 11 again, possibly. And that's with a really, really easy schedule. They got to play the NFC East for six of their games. Yes. I mean, I would say that the NFC West is very difficult, and the AFC North are, are pretty difficult assignments, though. Those are decently difficult assignments, but seven of those games, they had seven games against the NFC East and the Burrowless Bengals, and they have five wins. Or they've had six so far. The seventh yeah. will come this weekend. Yeah, division game, division games are usually pretty tough. I don't, for whatever reason, Washington is not for the Giants, it seems like. Could be considered tough, but not when the NFC East is this bad. These are some of the worst teams in the NFL, all four of them. I agree with that. They're not Jets level. But but I still next. think Giants, Cowboys, those teams know each other so well, even though that this is a new coaching staff. 
the players know each other so well. It's just a different dynamic than playing somebody that's out of your division. I'm not denying that there's a different dynamic, but I don't think that makes it harder. I think ultimately that might even lead to more variance and a better chance for the Giants to win those games. The Giants have one win outside the division that's worth anything. I don't consider that first Brandon Allen start beating him worth anything whatsoever. Personally, he was not even close to ready to play at that point, Brandon Allen. He played a little better today, but that win means nothing to me literally nothing it shouldn't mean anything to fans you should not consider beating the Bengals anything and they had one good win against the Seahawks that's incremental progress to be honest with you it's sad to say but they had zero meaningful wins in the first two years of the Dave Gettleman regime so honestly it is a little bit of progress but the problem is how much progress and how much of it can they you know count on going forward and One of the biggest issues right now with this roster in my mind is that they're not getting enough from the 2018 draft class. They had the number two overall pick. That can be dealt. That can be turned into four picks like the Colts did. The Colts turned it into the sixth overall from third overall, Quinton Nelson, then three other second rounders. But when you don't do that, you ultimately have to hit on almost every pick you make. You leave your margin of error so thin. The Giants are getting nothing from day three picks in 2018. It's not a great sign. They're getting nothing from really anything in that draft this year. Obviously, injuries have played a factor with they, Carter they played a huge and Barkley. Sure, but we can't really say Carter was going to. We liked Carter. We saw yeah. upside, but it was year three, and he hadn't broken out yet. So I don't think we can count on that one yet. And the other one's a running back. And so anyone can make their own de- declaration, but I'm not big on thinking a running back flips your fortunes too much, in my personal opinion. And I think Saquon Barkley does because it adds an element of explosive plays and it changes the entire way a defense is going to play Daniel Jones. Agreed, but they also won only five games with him when he had just about all the yards and touchdowns you could possibly have. I mean, he had nine plays of 40-plus yards that season. The only person to ever do that, I think, was Barry, or wasn't even Barry Sanders. I, I remember writing this stat down for a 24-7 article. I don't know it now. Now, but his rookie season was out of the out of this world from a variant standpoint and yet mm. they didn't win any games really with it um they won five just like they have right now but ultimately in my mind the a running back is only as good as the offensive line and you're right the offensive line has played bad i think they're they would have been a better team with bark i'm not saying that's not true yeah. obviously but would they be a better team with barkley or quinton nelson plus three second round picks i don't know i think that one's pretty yeah. obvious I mean, I don't want to cry over spilt milk. I, I've went over this plenty of times on the podcast. I did yeah. not want to select Saquon Barkley. I wanted to trade back. That was a big point of mine. I thought Dave Gettleman selected him because some kind of like what you said with Dexter Lawrence, it's a safe pick. Saquon Barkley is going yeah. to be a good football player. Like, Look, I drafted this guy who could potentially make the Hall of Fame. Now, with that said, the argument with the whole Gettleman thing comes in, did John Mara, when, no. when you don't think so? No. See, this is the thing I hate. I'm seeing this pop up on Giant Twitter. It is, yeah. There are some people who are saying that <laughs> they're actually <laughs> washing away. And by the way, the point I'm making with 2018 is not to bash the Barkley pick again. We've gone over that already. Yeah, okay. It's mostly just the overall 30,000-foot view. They're just not simply, regardless of what they use the picks on, they're not getting anything from that class, which is you can't win games when you have that kind of draft capital and you get nothing from them. But the point is there are people on Twitter now who are trying to say like, 2018 doesn't count. They weren't rebuilding yet. Uh, Mara wanted to win around Eli. No, 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 no. Dave Gettleman makes all those picks. Dave Gettleman fell in love with Saquon Barkley, decided that it was worth taking a running back. Doesn't matter. If you're trying to win now with Eli, you take the best offensive lineman there, or you take the best defensive player there. What are you talking about? The best way to win, regardless if you have a quarterback or not, is not to draft a running back. That's not going to help you win football games. A running back? What are we, freaking crazy here? Since when do running backs win football games? And so that argument is trash. And to just wipe out that whole 2018 class like it's nothing, when meanwhile literally drafts are what wins and loses you football games, free agency is patchwork, teams can do patchwork additions in free agency, but you have to win in the draft, you just have to, in the salary cap era, you don't have an option, you need to hit those picks, and so for, and and not only that, because then you can re-sign them when they're young. Yes. So... To just wipe that class and say, nah, actually, that was Mara saying you got to build around Eli. So, you know what? Give Gettleman a whole pass for 2018. That's just I'm not, fool's uh, talk. And you're not saying No, that. no, I'm not. But there is an argument that. that people are making. Uh, I, I do wonder how much Mara's influence did have on that because I, I don't think Dave Gettleman wanted to re-sign Od- Odell Beckham Jr. I think that was definitely a Mara thing. But that's a different thing. I agree with that, but that's different yeah. than the draft. The, all these other moves I agree with you on, and I don't think that... And I don't, first of all, I'm agreeing with you that it's possible. I don't think any of us can know for certainty, even though some Giants fans on Twitter are acting like they know for certainty this is the case. There's no, unless you're behind those doors, you don't know shit. But regardless, 
that's trades, that's re-signing, that's free agency, all that. The Solder stuff, the Omame, I think that could possibly be because he thought, you know, he wants to try to build really quickly for Eli. And all that's fine for agency, but it's the draft that you don't get a pass for. When you miss on Barkley, when you miss on Hernandez, and you have 2-34 and 34 and you decide we can't trade those picks, we have guys that we love, he thought Saquon Barkley was the best player in that draft. So he said, I can't move that pick. I have to draft him. He thought Will Hernandez was a top first-round pick, one of the best players in that draft. He almost traded back in the round one. He said, I can't miss him at 34. And when you do that and you miss on both, and we can't call Hernandez a full miss yet, but he's not starting. I mean, he's year three, and he's not a starter for this team. So it's a miss And from that standpoint. And it's not over. Hernandez could get better. A new coaching staff might, not a new coaching staff, but new offensive coordinator might like him. I don't know. But the fact of the matter is they're just simply not getting enough from this cla- from that class. And if we're being completely honest, when you consider the fact that B.J. Hill and Lawrence are great players, but they're IDLs, and they're not really winning and losing games for them, they're not really getting enough from the 2019 class, to be honest with you, either. Yeah, B.J. Hill from the 2018 draft, but you, you would like a bigger impact from these guys, but I feel like Dave Gettleman wanted to establish an identity, and that was stop the run. And run the football. And run the football. And I An think identity that only that we can't really say with any certainty works in 2020. I think in some cases it can definitely work, and I think it would definitely work if Daniel Jones continues to progress, and I feel like they need to add a wide receiver as well. But I think if you do stop the run, you force teams to pass, and if you play, if you can play man coverage and do different things on the back end, which we did see through a long stretch, not really the man coverage part, but just doing different things on the back end, from Patrick Graham's standpoint, I think you, you can have success. But I don't know if allocating as many assets or resources, I should say, to the position, like we've said so many times before, is the most prudent move because you need the people to cover said wide receivers. And I do feel like... you need the guys to win one-on-ones in the pass rush game. Yes, (laughs) and you you definitely need pass rushers who can do that. In a perfect world, I'd love to stop the run and run the football, Nick. Don't get me wrong. But in the real world, you only have so many assets to use. And I think first and most importantly, you want to pass the ball and run and stop the pass i think those are probably one and two then you circle back to stopping the run and running the football you don't jam everything into running the football and stopping the run in my mind i mean i don't think he did though to be honest i think he did he drafted baker i mean people were gonna say well look what happened yes but obviously gentlemen did not know that and i don't want to come off as a gentleman homer because i'm not but i do feel like we 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 should be fair and i think gentleman is going to be tied to what daniel jones does now, do we feel like Daniel Jones is the long-term quarterback for this franchise? That's the question that's going to be answered along with how is Dave Gettleman doing? The overall question. Now, obviously, there are so many other parts of what Dave Gettleman has done that is not just related to Daniel Jones. You're looking at one pick. It's Daniel Jones. So what do we think of him? We think, I mean, I think it's somebody that you you can build around like we've said so many different times I don't know if he's going to I don't think he's a Justin Herbert or Deshaun Watson though I don't think he's one of those types of quarterbacks yeah I mean I I understand what you're saying and I think it's fair to tie someone to that but in some degree to some degree but not not fully because you still are responsible for putting together 53-man roster and absolutely and when you have that kind of capital Again, yes, he used the 31st overall pick and he traded three picks for Baker, which I'm not going to knock him on that fully because of what happened with that. And I'm happy that that was for a corner. But he also used 17 on an IDL. He traded 68 for another IDL with Leonard Williams. He also used, what was it, 69 on an IDL BJ Hill. And this is all when he already had Dalvin Tomlinson on the roster. So those, all of those assets could either be traded back for more picks so you can take more swings at edges or corners or maybe a wide receiver who can open up the field on if you're maybe even that, which I'm not even thrilled about, but at least it's somebody you just, there needs to be more of a focus moving forward with this roster on passing the football and rushing and, and sorry, not rushing the passer, stopping the pass. There are different ways and beliefs in how you stop the pass. I personally would prefer to get lockdown coverage. I think that's how you stop the pass, but the run the run can only get you so far. Stopping the run and running the football, it's a nice benefit. And I agree there are times, especially in the playoffs, where you need to be physical. But you could be physical and still be a pass first or run or or a pass rush first team. Look at the Chiefs. The Chiefs played really good defense today against Matt Ryan. They don't have, you know, they haven't invested a million resources into the idea. They hit on Jones for sure. But they've also invested in a lot of edges. And they've started to invest a little bit in the secondary. 
and mostly they're a pass-first team on offense. So I don't know. It's, obviously, you know, it's one team. It's Patrick Mahomes. I'm not using them as a good example of everything, but I think in today's NFL, it's a fool's errand if you're if you're thinking that you can sacrifice the passing game on both sides of the ball to first get what he he first and foremost wanted to stop the run and run the football. He even said it. He said it in his introductory presser. And this is where they're at now after three years, and it's three straight uncompetitive games in must-win situations. Yeah, there was also Colt McCoy and a hobble Daniel Jones, to be fair, as well. But that's and part of his roster the, building. The establish the run is also plays into pass protection. It's just build the offensive line, which I think was what he was trying to articulate at that time. But these this offensive line is young, man. I mean, it's very young. You got two freaking starting tackles, basically, who are rookies. It's going to take a while, I think, for this to gel, but is Gettleman going to be here for a while? And that's kind of the big question, but maybe we should talk about this Ravens game too. <laughs> I mean, we could talk about the Ravens game, but if, if uh, we'll, we'll hear from the fans this week, but I don't know how much more there needs to be talked about until we get to the All-22. I mean, how much more do, you, yeah. do people want to hear about this game? The Giants were literally uncompetitive. I know they got it to 27-13, but we can criticize things if we want. I don't know if kicking a field goal at the end of the half was that valuable when you're down that many points in this type of game. Obviously, it made the score look a little better at the end, but the Giants never had a chance in this one. And there's things to talk about if you want, but most of it I think we'll have to find on the All-22. I think the bigger question that I think fans are going to want to understand or talk about or listen to or know is where this direction's this franchise is headed and how do they get better than this because they need this can't be the the bar we can't be setting the bar at these kinds of seasons where the giants have a little string of maybe winning the worst division in the history of football which it will be by the way if the giants win and the eagles win this will be the worst division ever because it'll be the first six and i believe there's never been a six and ten winner has there no so before this is seven and nine i believe so yeah so it'll be the worst division in the history of football so that doesn't that doesn't impress me and I hope it doesn't impress you guys listening. I think what we really want to get to is a spot where the Giants can become the Colts or the Browns and the Browns lost today. So that's not the best example even though they had half their team on COVID randomly. But just a team that obviously is not going to have Mahomes but can be a straight up 10 to 12 win team that maybe gets hot in the playoffs like they did with Eli. And I know even those seasons they only won 9 and 10 games. It's not even the best examples. <laughs> But even that, let's say, just a team that can consistently win in the regular season, make it to the playoffs, and go on a run. And how did they get there? It becomes the question because they're going to have another top ten pick, most likely, unless they beat the Cowboys. And they get what? And the they Eagles get like win. Twenty-one or something. Well, yeah, it depends. Also, if the Eagles win, there's yeah. a lot of craziness with the draft that we can't get into right now, as far as their seating. But just one off season, I'm just curious how they're the closest way for them to win. And it's a little bit of a question mark for me at this point, to be completely honest with you, Nick. I can agree with that. It, it, it is definitely a question mark. I still think there are pieces on this team that could definitely help this team moving forward. Now, that's kind of an obvious thing to say. I think you need to upgrade the edge. I think you need to find another linebacker next to Blake Martinez. I think you need to add a more skillful wide receiver. Cornerback, too, for sure, as well. Cornerback as well, definitely. Now, those, I think, are the biggest needs. Maybe even tackle, though, if Parrott can't play. Yeah, if Parrott can't play. I'm not willing to say that quite yet. And we also kind of got to see what the heck the Giants are going to do. in the. I mean, we just signed Logan Ryan, which is awesome. He's going to be here for the foreseeable future. That's good. Hopefully his play doesn't regress as he continues to get older. Knock on some damn wood. But... Leonard Williams and Dalvin Thompson were not 100% sure where they're going to be, if they're going to be Giants. I where think... has Leonard Williams been these last three games? This is also a bit of a question. He's getting he's getting double teamed on a lot of these. It's, he's getting double. Yeah. I think the, the, the fact of the matter is he's getting double teamed a lot, and yeah. there's literally no other threat from the pass rush. Did, there was no pass rush in this game whatsoever. None. And that is now, what, two, three games in a row with no pass rush? Basically, yes. That's a bad, like, that needs to be just, if you just want to know where, where I, you could sum up my why Dave Gettleman can't be back just with that. Yeah, you can't have three years to work on a roster and go into a game like this. And I know there's been injuries, but guess what? A lot of teams are injured. The Niners have way more injuries, and they got a pass rush on Kyler Murray all game. Robert Salah got a pass rush on him all game. So you just can't have three straight games and no pass rush. And I, I, I shouldn't have said that about Leonard Williams because you're right. We've noticed it as well in the All-22. He's At this point, he's the only focus of an offensive line. There's no one else to focus on on pass rush downs. Literally no one who can get to the pass rush. I mean, Lawrence occasionally. 
and their stunts just aren't going over as well. Because the Giants, no, yeah. the Giants like to bring four and then rel- drop everybody else Coverage. back in zone. Yeah. Especially when they play these mobile guys like Kyler Murray and Lamar Jackson. You want to keep somebody right. kind of in as a spy or at least two players in zone, kind of spying at the same time. And you can send those exotic stunts, and hopefully they hit. But they just have not been whatsoever. They just been picked up, and we saw in the Seattle game they weren't. Those stunts were working like crazy. I thought Graham did an excellent job using the linebacker, Tay Crowder, a lot of the times in on those twists and stunts. But they might have done this. I, I, it's kind of hard to tell from the broadcast. Yeah. But even if they did, it was picked up so easily or just evaded by Lamar Jackson. It didn't even freaking matter. Yeah, you're right, and we'll have to see on the all twenty-two for a lot of this stuff. Obviously. Um, we can only glean so much from the from the broadcast angle, but it's awesome, man. I, I want to know why Mark Andrews was open so much. Yeah, six for seventy six for Mark Andrews, right over the middle of the field. I'm wondering if they're clearing out and just how they're kind of taking advantage of. We saw in the past how Tay Crowder, David Mayo, and really every linebacker except for Blake Martinez just they're usually somewhat out of position. And now you throw Xavier McKinney into the defense, and I think he. He looks solid out there, but he's still a young guy. I wonder if he's finding himself out of position a lot of the times, too. And that definitely would not be great for the continuity of the defense. I'm wondering how much Julian Love played, because I don't remember seeing too much of Love. Yeah, I actually there. didn't see 20 a lot this game. It's interesting. Yeah. Possibly with everybody else coming back into the fray. But, I mean, there was a moment where people said, okay, the Giants defense took a step back because they played without Bradbury. But at this point right now, you're starting to see opposing offenses with enough tape on the Giants, I think, that they know how to kind of beat this zone if there's no pressure. If there's anything positive to take away from this is the Ravens scored 40 points in the last two games, and they only scored 27 in this one. Now, you can argue that they definitely took their foot off the gas like the Browns ended up doing because the Giants' offense didn't exactly hold up. But They ran the ball 40 times. Yeah, (laughs) That's going to chew up clock and give you less opportunity to score. But the Giants' defense did have a couple stops to force field goals. This wasn't... You know, uh, and the force f- or the fumble that was more just Lamar Jackson fumble, kind of luck, yeah, yeah, but, definitely. But they did have you know a couple stops for field goals and some three and outs. Mm-hmm. Defense had a couple good series in this game for sure. Um, who had better game, the defense or the Giants' offense? What would you say? Who had a better game, the Giants' defense or the Giants' offense? I would say neither. I would- <laughs> That's not good. <laughs> Let's go with the special teams because Graham Gano <laughs> hit two field goals. There you go. That's. The key takeaway from Giants-Ravens, I mean, it's tough, guys. We're trying to be positive. We're trying not to be so negative. It's not negativity, though. I think that negativity can often get mistaken with analysis and realism. And if you look at this roster right now, and I've been saying this pretty much for a while now, it's it's really deficient in a lot of spots. And some of that is a depth issue, which we've talked about, and they've gotten unlucky with the injuries. But depth is also part of the roster building process. And one good way to build your depth is by having more draft picks, not fewer draft picks, which has been the story of the Dave Gettleman era. Fewer draft picks. Traded three for Baker. Traded one for Sa- or sent one in for Sam Beal, who, you know, we can talk about, oh, the Giants got unlucky. He had opt-out with COVID. He's been terrible his whole Giants NFL career. He's been nothing. He's, He's been, been injured, injured a lot. That's yeah. part of what yeah. he is. He was injured in college a lot. He had a major injury billing coming into the NFL. It's why people were scared to use a supplemental draft pick. And yet Dave Gettleman fell in love with his tape and drafted him in the third round when no one put in more than a fourth round claim and he hasn't done anything so i'm not going to consider that some kind of massive loss i'm going to consider that like a wild card that didn't even come into the mix but yeah, my, my biggest gripe with gettleman is the fact that he just never tries to trade back it's the process of course it's, that's the real reason he that's spe- that specific process yes. right there is what uh, irritates his me. draft process yeah because i feel like there were that like that 2018 draft like we've already rehashed it's just the amount the haul that they probably could have got because everyone thought Sam Darnold was going one. And then Sam I don't Darnold think anyone doesn't. needs a probably this because the Colts literally did it from the third pick. Yeah. Everybody talks about probably. No, it's an actuality. It's not like the Jets are afraid to trade with the Giants. They, they took they took the 68th overall pick for an impending free agent in Leonard Williams, so they're not afraid. And the Jets surely would have rather had two than three. That's obvious. There's no denying that, even though the Jets, it's come out later. The Jets were so sure the Giants were going to take Barkley. I think somebody who was working in the Jets front office went on a podcast and say and said, like, one of the reasons we made that trade to three was because we were so sure Dave Gettleman was going to take Barkley <laughs> that we knew we could get Darnold at three. But they still would have taken th- two for the same haul. I mean, there's literally no, no I see reason what you're not saying. to. I see what you're saying, yeah. Yeah, and that haul was huge. It's rebuilt that Colts roster entirely almost. I mean, they've hit on those picks, too, which Gettleman would have had to do. And they've also just done a great job coaching these players up, which is another huge part about this. And hopefully, 
we have the coaching staff in place that can do that with some of these younger guys. Yeah, no doubt about it. But it's also important to note that in all three of his drafts, Jake, um, not Jake, why did I say Jake? Ballard, Chris Ballard has had 10 plus picks. Jake Ballard. Yeah. Wow, let's go back to the Super Bowl. <laughs> These are the times I would wish we could go back to, but Chris Ballard, Colts GM, has had 10 plus picks. He knows what he's doing. He's taking swings. He's building depth via the draft, something the Giants have failed to do. So yes, ultimately process is the main reason why I think Edelman has no business being the GM and should, really shouldn't have even been there for this year. But it's unfortunately for me, not just the process. That's the problem. It's the evaluations as well, which haven't been that great. But those, you know, I, I, I think that's hard to do in the NFL. And it's the roster building process. I mean, it's just been too much with the run. I think he's going to retire, like you said earlier sure, in the yeah. podcast. I don't think he's coming back. I think he might even stay with the Giants organization. Definitely possible. Yeah. But that leads to a whole other discussion like that I think is very valid and very fair when fans bring it up. That only happens if Kevin Abrams is elected the general manager, too. Well, that's what I'm saying. I think yeah. that leads to the whole another discussion, which I think is very valid and fair when fans bring it up, which is even if they move on from Gettleman, are they out of the thick? Are they out of the situation they're in if they're just going to promote from within, which they've done and which they've, you know, it's been a very nepotism, nepotism, not the right word for it, but Cro- it's, cronyism. cronyism has been pretty rampant. I mean... At this point, the Giants have really not been a successful franchise for a decade. Okay, let's call a spade a spade. They had a Super Bowl year in 2011 that was really just a hot run by Eli Manning, his receivers, and the defensive line got healthy. But this has not been a football team that has won 12 or 14 games like that 2008 team since 2008. And at some point, you got to look yourself in the mirror and consider if the entire process needs to be reconsidered. Maybe you need an outside source. Maybe you need an outside voice. And if the Giants do ultimately just retire Dave Gettleman, bring him back in some role, like you said, and promote Kevin Abrams, I'm not so sure we're going to see exactly what we need to help get this team moving forward in the right direction, unfortunately. Yeah, I don't know if that's entirely fair just because Kevin Abrams is his own person and he'll make his own decisions. I'm not saying it's a guarantee. I'm just saying I don't know for sure. Gotcha, yeah. Neither do I. <laughs> I wish I did, though. I want to give positivism, positivism here, guys. I really do. And there are some good things about this team. Let's 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 be sure about that. We love Jabril on this team. We, lo- we like Ryan to an extent, even though he's getting older. Hopefully he can keep it up. We hope McKinney. There's there's still good pieces on this roster, and they did a really good job in the 2020 offseason. But- I, I, I do. I, I believe that there are, there are some really good pieces on this roster. They just need to upgrade the incredible deficiencies that they have. Yeah. The liabilities. Yeah, the liabilities that have caused them these losses. And hopefully they can do it. Hopefully they can take a step in the right direction this offseason. I'm not going to say hopefully they can do it this offseason. I don't think ultimately this is a one offseason fix for them. But hopefully they can take a really big positive step in that direction this offseason. I believe ultimately it will start with the 2021 draft. I believe not only they need to do great with the evaluations, which is luck-based mostly in in most of our opinion. Not luck-based, but a lot of variance. But with their process, consider trading down and consider opening yourself up to more assets. Anything else you have on this team, roster, game? Looking forward, Nick. We're probably going to be speaking a lot about the team in general and the future of this team. But as for right now, I think I'm good. I'm going to see what the tape has to say about why this zone defense was carved up. Yeah, the tape will tell us the story about this Ravens game and let us know if there is a chance against this Cowboys team who's obviously playing better football. But I do think ultimately the Giants will be competitive in this game. And I know I said that about this Ravens game, so hopefully I don't eat my words on that one as well. But on that note, I guess a somber note, but hopefully things will get better for this team. We'll talk to you soon. We will have the All-22 breakdown still this week. For those of you diehards who are still diving in, we're going to try to look into some of the younger players specifically on this All-22. I was talking to Nick about this off-pod. I think our focus for this should be simply on players who could be on this roster moving forward. So we'll have some individual breakdowns there. We'll obviously talk a lot about what we saw on tape from Jones. I think that's the main focus for me on offense and the young offensive linemen as well. And for the rest of you, have a great rest of your week, and we will talk to you soon.